Seinfeld, the slicer is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap of Podcast About Nothing. And now here are the two guys who never smell like potatoes. I'm Rob Cicerino. Here's the Keeper Winnaker. Keep, how are you? How's it going, Rob? Very good. Did that? Have you ever smelled like potatoes? Uh, we have to talk about that. I don't want to get into it right now, but there, th- there's something very confusing. No, not about me smelling like potatoes. There is something very confusing about that, that uh, bookmarked that conversation. All right. We will consider it bookmarked. And here we are talking about the slicer after a uh, long chat about caffeinated turkey last week and a long chat about American salami some time ago. Here we are ready to talk about the slicer. Yeah, it's a very Seinfeld is ultimately at its heart a show about deli meats. Yes. So uh, we'll discuss uh, all things Boar's Head and much more here on the uh, Seinfeld post show recap. Uh, Keeve, here we are uh, getting to uh, what what mark is this in the uh, this is the what, the seventh episodes. This is like the one third mark of season nine. Yeah, a third of the way through season nine, uh, 163 up 17 to go. Uh, only 15 actual episodes of the podcast because the last two are double episodes. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to see this week when Jerry Seinfeld had a run in with Kesha? Oh, you mean like the highlight of my entire year so far? Yes, yes. I, I saw it. <laughs> Let's just say a couple of people sent it to me. OK, uh, just to set that up, there was Jerry Seinfeld was like on a red carpet and uh, he was uh, met by recording artist Kesha who wanted to give him a hug. And he said, uh, no, that's good. I'm OK. Yeah, he rebuffed her three times. Each time she was more like, I think when you're a celebrity, you're not used to people saying no to you. So like the first time she literally didn't understand the second time. But if you really like if Jerry is your idol so much that you like want to give him a hug, you have to know that he doesn't want to hug you Mm -hmm. like fake Jerry on the show and real Jerry in real life. Both won't hug you. It's hard to just sleep when you're tired because people are tired most of the time. I love you so much. Oh, thanks. Can I give you a hug? No, thanks. Please. No, thanks. A little one. Yeah, no, thanks. I don't know who that was. Yeah, it was Kesha. Okay. Well, I wish her the best. Uh, So, Keeve, yeah, yeah, that Jerry saying, uh, no thanks, no thanks, that's going to be us uh, if we ever get a chance to say, uh, will you come on our podcast? That's right. Yeah, he could literally just play that. No thanks. Um, No. I'm good. I mean, if you you remember like uh, the the old Knicks Bulls series in the early 90s and it would be like Charles Smith going up and like Horace Grant would stuff him mm-hmm. and then like up again and again, like, you know, he got blocked like five times on one play. That, that That's what this reminded me of, like just like swatting her away so many times. I, I, Jerry obviously should be a little warm. He should be like, you know, I, I just don't give hugs. Sorry. But in his defense, like he probably thought she was just a crazy fan. Like he literally did, didn't know. And still doesn't know who Kesha is. Right. I mean, it is a red carpet. It's not like uh, he's at Starbucks or something like sure, that. Sure. But I mean, it's not it wasn't the red carpet for the Oscars. It was the red carpet for like a charity event or, mm-hmm. or a movie premiere or something. You yeah. know, it, it, it it's not like every single person there is. Uh, you've never been on a red carpet like, you know, there's some randos there. Yeah. It was at the uh, David Lynch Foundation's uh, National Night of Laughter and Song. Uh, so, um you know, we, we don't know exactly. Uh, that might be like a, a like a uh, transcendental uh, meditation thing. It's weird. It's weird that Jerry's even going to this sort of thing. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like it's his speed. Yeah. Uh, Unless no, he's I, friends with David Lynch. Well, no, he's really into the uh, the TM stuff. Right. But why do you think this is related to transcendental meditation? Uh, I'm pretty sure that David that both Jerry and David Lynch are both people that are into that. 
Oh, so maybe they know each other in the TM world. They're like they're friends. Yeah, I think that they're both on the circuit of uh, transcendental meditation. What do you think about meditation? Have you ever meditated? Well, that, that's how I know about it because uh, I wa- that I wanted to do this. I wanted to go do uh, learn uh, transcendental meditation, and I went to the TM center and I paid money to learn how to do it. And that I, uh, I mean, I know I don't think I really ever did it. Uh, you know, I, I really sort of like uh, ended up feeling like um, I think it's uh, like uh, not that different than just like taking a nap. Uh, I think it's sort of like mm-hmm. so. Then I was just like, oh, I should just take a nap. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You should just nap. If you just take a nap in the afternoon, I think it's probably, you know, uh, I don't know what exactly the benefit is, but I mean, and the real challenge is I tried to learn this after I had kids and there was never a point when. Yeah, because even the idea of like of doing transcendental meditation with your kids in the house seems very unrelaxing, right? Right. Like I'm like, I, I can't relax because at any point. A kid is going to be screaming or my wife is going to kick in the door and start yelling mm-hmm. at me for something. Yep. It's very yeah. difficult to ever relax. Uh, that, I'm on edge. I think we both have wives that like don't even understand the concept of transcendental meditation. Like they <laughs> like the idea of meditating is not for either of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is frustrating because I feel like that my wife uh, wants to do a lot of yoga. And I feel like that. Uh, OK, well, what about the part where you're supposed to be Zen? That mm. really has never happened. Uh, my wife is practices a form of angry yoga where she's can be uh, like very <laughs> mad in doing yoga. She channels her anger. Yeah, yoga is sort of the angry cousin of transcendental meditation. Right. So it's very hard to find a place that was quiet where I had like 15 minutes where I could uh, end up, you know, it seems seems fun, but I think it might have to wait until like uh, like I'm old and retired and my kids have moved out. Uh, all right. So just 18 more years and you're there. <laughs> sure. Sure. With, I mean, with any luck. I mean, uh, I mean, millennials aren't moving out. So they're like 40. So it probably uh, may never happen. Uh, well, your kids are millennials. They're like two generations past. So they're going to go the other way. Or like 20 or 60. They They're going to move out like at the 16 next, and like go into yeah. the workforce. Or, right. Or they'll never leave. Or like the next generation is just understood like that's your family home and the kids are never going to leave. Yeah, that, that's probably closer to the truth. All right. So, uh, Keith, let's get into uh, talking about the slicer. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to talk slicer. There's a lot. There's really a lot on the uh, bone to chop off here. OK, so uh, the slicer really begins with a uh, nightmare sequence uh, in the original episode, which aired November 13th, 1997, uh, which was uh, written by uh, Cavett, Robin and Henry. Yeah. Henry's, I think, first credit. OK, Darren Henry. Henry. Yeah. He was like the writer's assistant, I think. So it begins with this weird dream sequence of Elaine in bed with uh, Jerry and George and Kramer, um, which, again, it's season nine. We're trying to uh, sort of like turn everything on its head. What if we had everybody in bed with each other? Yeah, I, I, you feel like the the live audience who's watching the scene, I assume, doesn't know it's a dream sequence. So they're very confused, it seems like. Like there's a lot of awkward stifle laughing and then. You know, eventually, maybe they sort of pick up on it once you see like Jerry and you're like, OK, something's up. But it's it's sort of like a weird thing to have the audience in watching before yeah. the, before we know it's up. And I was very confused by this because I didn't remember that this was a thing. I was like, oh, what is where is this going? Where are we going here? Uh, and so Elaine wakes up f- either from her nightmare or from the alarm going off. Well, what is it? What wakes her up? Um, I think the nightmare wakes her up because the alarm is going, you know, I don't know how I mean, I don't know how it works in general, right? Like Mm -hmm. your alarm goes off sometimes for five minutes and then like magically like one note is the one that wakes you. I don't I don't really know how that waking up thing works, but you're talking to someone who woke up at 1130 in the morning today. So you're (laughs) asking the wrong guy. Yeah. 
yeah, I think that it really was a uh, perfect timing in terms of the nightmare and with the alarm clock going off. And so Elaine has a neighbor who has gone to Paris. They set their alarm for 3.30 a.m. and now it's going off every day. Um, yeah, 3.30 is just an absurd time. Yes. That's that's a that's a time that's a time to like I I overslept uh, too today Keith I was very uh, I was eleven thirty overslept or no 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 I I overslept till I was supposed to wake up I was gonna wake up at five, at four forty five and then I I looked at my like ah oh, I forgot to set my alarm I woke up at five thirty it actually depresses me it's very funny because a lot of times you can tell when you're up because you know I'll get like uh, like if you know you'll see. Rob, you know, Rob Cesarino liked this tweet or he's adding somebody that I follow. So I mm-hmm. see it. Yeah. And that's like it depresses me because it's so early in the morning. And I'm sure if I would flip back and go through your like your likes or your at mentions on Twitter, there's only like a five hour gap in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I wrong? Am I crazy? Like, am I sleeping for five hours? Yeah. that's Yeah. It. You're getting five hours of sleep. Yeah. That's that's, that's bad. not a lot. It's not you a should, lot. Yeah. You should be getting seven at least. Well, yeah. Good luck with I that. Think, I think you should cut. I think you have to cut off Twitter at a certain point at night. Like at eight o'clock at night, you have to cut off Twitter till the morning. No, I've just been very busy uh, lately. Normally, I try to go to bed like before ten if I can. But uh, well, let's get back to uh, the core four. Okay, you don't want to talk about your five hours. I, I think that you know people. Uh, there's a limited amount of attention span for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll put people to sleep. They'll yeah, sleep we'll for more than five hours. Sleep. Uh, they'll, they'll wake up in five hours. Uh, so we see George at a new job. Of course, uh, he was at Play Now earlier this season. Now he's going to Kruger International Smoothing. And uh, apparently uh, we find out later on today in the episode that Kramer mentions they are the people that screwed up the Statue of Liberty renovation. Yeah, they potched the Statue of Liberty. This is ultimately George's final job in the series. Yeah. Um, this is where he ends up. Okay. So he's probably still working at Kruger today, unless they fired him when he went to jail. Well, yeah. If he came back or not, they don't seem to care about anything. But anyway, uh, so uh, George is interviewing at Kruger. And uh, so uh, he's interviewing with Mr. Kruger. Yeah. I mean, that's the boss. I don't know how big this company is that like, you know, they, they would have other people interview you. Yeah. Okay, and so uh, it is a funny point when uh, he's looking at the resume and says, you work to play now for four days, and George says that should actually be 14 days. Uh, but we yes. find out very quickly that uh, George gets hired, but Mr. Kruger doesn't really care. It is insane to put play now on your resume, especially if they if they called play now as like some sort of reference, it probably wouldn't go that well. Right. I mean, you would think that George would have had to update his resume. You would think that he probably had a resume from with the I mean, I guess maybe the issue is that everything pre Yankees is a little bit of a mess. So he doesn't want to just have Yankees on there. True. But I mean, George is a liar. He could make some some stuff up without problem. Like the Yankees is, you know, is like the piece of resistance of his resume. And, you know, better nothing than a place you worked for four days. Okay, so George sees a photo of uh, Mr. Kruger with his family. And amazingly, George happens to be in the background of that photo, Keeve. I mean, it's not even in the background. It's it's like a tiny photo, and he's essentially like the fifth person along with Kruger's family. Right. So on the coincidence scale, how big is this? I've always thought, like, I wonder, like, who, you know, you, you ever, like, you go to, like, Disney World or something, and it's like, oh, I'm in the background of, like, all these random tourist photos forever. But the idea that, like, you would see someone and find yourself in the background, that's pretty random. Yeah. So uh, on a scale of one to ten, how implausible is this? Uh, ten being the most implausible. Yeah. It's like a seven and a half, eight. Seven and a half. I, I feel like it's got to be like a nine or a nine and a half. 
Okay, if there were, how about this? If there was 10 people in the background and one was George, then it's like a seven. But you're right. For right. him to essentially be, I mean, it's such a, it, George is so prominent in the picture that Kruger shouldn't have even framed this picture because it's almost weird, right? It's like, who's that fifth guy? Is he like the uncle? Like, why is he in this picture? Yeah, it's almost like the kind of thing where if George knew Kruger from something and then he was like, or he was like a friend of Elaine's and then he was in the background, like they were at, they were at a certain event. But the fact that it was like a random meetup and he happened to be in the photo and then that photo happened to be hung up in the wall. Uh, or on the desk. Um, again, I, we won't get too hung up on it, but uh, I mean, like this is like a one in 10 million shot. Right. Especially if this was like a beach in the Bahamas. If you're saying this is just a beach in the city. OK, there are two people who live in the city. But if, it, you know, if you're going to a real beach, then it, is that what they said? This was in even, the Bahamas? No, I'm, I'm saying oh. I don't we don't know where it is. I'm just saying if it Summer was like of 89 two- at the beach, George says. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, OK. We'll see. Uh, George is at Monk's. He describes this as the boombox incident. His clothes ended up in the ocean. And so he accused some kids of it. And then ultimately uh, that he realized that it was the tide. Now, how do you get this screwed up, Keeve? I mean, I guess he thought they stole them. So when he saw them in the ocean, he probably thought, oh, they didn't throw them in. But it's, you know, I mean, he didn't screw it up. He was right. Mm hmm. So, you know, I guess they probably just like said, oh, no, who else? We could never have done it. And I guess they convinced him that he, they didn't do it. But the tide would leave like some telltale signs. Like if you had a towel or something, then like everything would be wet up to where you were. So did George just go to the beach? No towel, just with his clothes. And then he couldn't find them. And it turned out that they were just thrown in the ocean. And where he was sitting was also washed up with the tide. Like he doesn't remember where he sat. Explain this. I mean, I think he probably looked, saw them there, realized that there was like a trail of the, you know, of the water up to like where he was sitting and just did the math. Mm -hmm. With the math that it was the kids or the math that it was the tide? No, the math that like he was, oh, I thought it was the kids, but it must have been the tide. But the tide had come into where he was sitting? Yeah. I mean, if you sit close enough, sure. It's not crazy. At the shore? I mean, I don't know what beach he's at, but it's not insane. I just uh, feel like if it was the tide, I feel like that that it would be like other stuff would be wet. It's almost like the stuff would have gone into the ocean anyway. If he was sitting close, if he put his clothes close enough to the water that they would have that it was reasonable to believe the tide took them. Yeah. No, I mean, I I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of this. Okay. Uh, Well, luckily, there's three writers on this episode. So we have uh, three times the chance to find out the answer. Dear Darren Henry. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. So George says the father is screaming at him that uh, after he threw the kids boombox in the ocean, uh, which, again, a little bit of a rage issue for George Costanza. Yeah, that's insane to throw a child's boombox. But, you know, I guess they had it coming. They did throw his stuff in. Okay, Uh, he ultimately gave him the fake address and ditched them. But now this is his new boss. And so uh, that the picture is going to ultimately remind him. Kramer, for the like the first time ever, seems to be exactly in the know about all of the things going on at Kruger and their business. Yeah, he may, it's it's almost like he's wearing an apple. Like Kramer makes it seem like it's such a you know famous company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, they botched that whole that whole Statue of Liberty job. And George feels like okay, this is actually a company that he could go pretty far at. Kramer says that they could get the photo airbrushed, Keeve. Right. I mean, it, it's funny because this is, you know, 
this is like a five second problem in, in 2017, right? Right. This episode, um, I think you could probably just like do this on your phone. Yeah, it's literally over. I mean, even like the mole on your back, you could probably post it on some Reddit group and like get it answered in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like every, everything here is is being solved with the Internet. All right. So I like that Kramer um, talks about, hey, remember that photo of me and Gerald Ford that I took? Uh, I got Gerald Ford right out of there. <laughs> it's funny. Okay. All right. Uh, George can't wait to work at Kruger. So uh, that he's excited he's going to go off and work on that. Uh, Kramer is very upset with the sandwich at Monk's. Uh, I feel like we've seen this many times. Kramer has some food item at Monk's and is like, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? Uh, it's not just Monk's, right? It's like the, the papayas are mealy and don't even get me started, right? Like we see it with a lot of food stuff. The eggs at the diner. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a he's just a complainer, Kramer. Okay, um, that it's been 13 years since he had a decent sandwich. All he gets is misshaped shardy meat. Yeah, I think uh, bad sandwiches are depressing. Yes. Uh, why? What's the key thing about a bad sandwich? There, I think it's not like the bread isn't even even. Yeah. You know, it, it like I also the bread, like if the bread is bad, you know, the inside of the sandwich is going to be terrible. Yes. No, I agree. You mess up the bread. You're messing up every everything inside. Yes. I think the bread can make up for a lot of warts uh, in the rest of the sandwich. I see. I don't really agree. Like it's if the bread is bad, it's bad. But if the bread is good, that doesn't get you, you know, more than the first bite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there's a lot to uh, get into there. I know you are. Also, if bread falls apart, that's bad. I don't know. Am I a sandwich expert? I mean, I feel like that. uh, I thought I was the soup guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you're, you're more of a sandwich expert than I am. Oh, more than you. Yeah, I'm more than you, but sure. not more than like other people on Earth. I don't know. I mean, you're not the number one sandwich expert. I'm not the number one sandwich expert. Guys, don't get that. Confused. I'm not the number <laughs> don't one. Don't get sandwich it twisted. Expert. No. <laughs> OK, so we go back to Jerry's apartment and we see that Kramer now is the owner of a meat slicer. Keeve, have you ever sliced meat? Come on. No, of course not. OK, uh, that uh, I would chop my fingers off. OK. Uh, I'm I, not like a, I'm not like a guy who works with his hands. I will say I, watching this scene, it makes me think like Kramer is kind of a fun neighbor to have. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that he's just like one day he's got a meat slicer and the next day he's got another thing like that's got to be fun. Like your life is monotonous and the same boring things are happening every day. Kramer is really keeping it spicy. I, I You know, I'm, I'm turning around on having Kramer as a neighbor. Right. It would be better if he was doing these things in his own apartment. Like it's sure, of course, and not mooching all your food. Right. And it's like, hey, this is what's going on. You know, it's like if you lived across the hall from a guy like, hey, I'm brewing my own beer today. Like, uh, oh, I've got this uh, new uh, George Foreman grill that I'm trying out. But you'd never go over, especially because Kramer's weird in his apartment is like weird. But you would never go over to the house, even if he even if he was like offering you that stuff and you were the moocher. You would say like, oh, that's fun. But you wouldn't go over. I wouldn't but or he, anybody wouldn't. The, anybody yeah. like the, the, the most people would just they would never come over. He'd ask you a hundred times a year and maybe once he'd go over. Right. Here he's doing your house. Also, Jerry lives alone. So like he won't admit it, but he's a little lonely. You but know, again, having Kramer come by, you know, a New York City apartment building is not like a college dorm. If this was like a college dorm, like everybody would have their door open. You'd know what Newman was doing down the hall. You would know what Jerry was doing. You know, in Manhattan, even 1997, you know, uh, everybody's, Mm. you know, in their apartment with their door locked. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I had neighbors on my floor I never met. Right. Right. Anyway, so uh, Kramer is working with the meat slicer. 
uh, he t- that he's uh, trying to get Jerry to take some of the meat. Jerry doesn't want it. Elaine comes in. He gives her some of the meat. He says, welcome to Flavor Country. Yeah, he, I think Guy Fieri stole uh, stole Flavor Town from Kramer. Well, I think Flavor Country was a cigarette uh, uh, motto. I want to say, was it Marlboro? I feel like oh, so Seinfeld stole it from Marlboro. Well, I, I think that that's the joke of that. Welcome to Flavor Country was yeah, slogan. it is Marlboro. Yeah. So I, I thought it was Guy Guy Fieri. Yeah, you know he likes to be called Fieri. No, I had no idea. Yeah, don't call him the wrong name. Okay. Anyway, uh, so. Jerry has a date with a doctor. She'll be played by Marsha Cross in this episode. Uh, we'll see her later on. Uh, not a uh, doctor in sort of like a, uh, you know, a MD type doctor. Uh, she is a dermatologist, which we will learn. No, that, well, no hold on. Hold on. Am I, am That's I, like I, the most hateful thing you've said. What, what? She is an MD. Oh, no, I'm sorry. What am I what, like? Uh, what, what's the what, what's the correct term? A uh, general practitioner? She's a doctor. No, what are you talking about? She's a regular doctor. Okay, but a dermatologist does not deal. Like, you don't go with the... the I mean, that's a specialist. I don't think there's a term for other than, like... Yeah, she's not, like, yeah. an internist. Okay, forgive forgive my <laughs> uh, naivete in this If area. your wife, who works with doctors every day, would was here, she would be laughing at you like I am. I mean, the... I, the uh, not an MD is like, yeah, I'm a professor of, like, English literature. Mm-hmm. I'm a doctor, but I'm not an MD. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, here, or I work in a lab. I'm not an MD. Like she is an MD. That dermatology is like, I don't know. Do you ever go to like a kidney doctor or, uh, uh, you know, a nephrologist or a urologist or a cardiologist? Like, okay. So I formally apologize to, uh, all medical professionals. In no, no, nobody's offended. I was maybe teasing you too hard. Yeah. I just didn't know where you were going with that. No, okay. I, I think that's Jerry's opinion is that like, oh, a dermatologist isn't a real doctor. You know, I think like a psychologist is not an MD, right? Whereas a psychiatrist is. But I guess so, what I, like Jerry, what I wonder yeah, what is, were you saying? so uh, you go to medical school and then do you go to some sort of a graduate school for your... Okay, you go, you go to medical school and then you say, I'm going to specialize in X. Okay. So... Uh, let's say Chester's wife is a, is an internist, right? That's like just general medicine. Uh, you know, my other friend is an ophthalmologist, right? So he's going to be an eye doctor. So you go to residency and you specialize in that field. So it'll be, you know, even for the most basic thing, I think it's like four years or something. Mm-hmm. You're getting paid. You're not in school anymore, but you're not getting paid like, you know, real big bucks yet. Okay. So it's a you, and then if you're doing something really specialized, like you know pediatric oncology or something, and, and you do that you might have, in the field, you don't do that. It's not like special like uh, school that you go to for those things. No, no, like you might have a doctor who you think is like a doctor, but really they're you know a resident. Like they, you know, three weeks ago they were in med school, and or three months ago they were in med school, and now they're treating you. Like it's you, you're actually a doctor. You graduate medical school, and then yeah. you, uh, you know. Hopefully both of your sons will be doctors one day and you'll know all about this. Right. Uh, just for me, it's a little bit foreign because mm. that I went to college for broadcasting. And then after mm-hmm. college, I did four years at podcasting school. So right, it's right. a little bit of a different process. I'm still paying Do you have your master's or doctorate in podcasting? Uh, I only have a doctorate. Um, mm. but you know, that the, uh, you know, the podcasting student loans are really just, uh, you know, exorbitant. They really, you know, they need to do something about that. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, Keeve, uh, yes. we find out that 
at Elaine's house. Uh, there is an issue with the alarm clock. Uh, Kramer relates this to an issue that Lomez once had. And Lomez solved the issue by blowing the fuse for the neighbors. Mm, yeah, it sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Um, we also find out that Elaine's apartment building smells like potatoes. Yes. Is this Table that discussion. Is this a thing? Uh, different apartment buildings have a certain smell? I think so, but not like a specific food. Mm. Like, not at least permanently. Yeah. Um, I think like old people's houses, sometimes you ever like you go to your grandma's house, it has like a very specific smell. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, like a summer day. But I don't know. I don't know if like a building smells like potatoes unless it's next to a potato factory. <laughs> I have a friend who his apartment building uh, did smell very weird. It was like an older apartment building. And uh, like his building definitely did have a distinct smell. And it was yeah, not but a great you couldn't one. place it. Right. It, it wasn't like a particular it. thing. Yeah. Okay. So we end up following Kramer and Elaine over to Elaine's apartment and we see the socket right outside the offending apartment and Kramer has a paper clip uh, which he's going to stick into the socket. Yeah, I mean, to me, and I like, you know, this episode is is not especially unrealistic. I mean, the the picture is silly, but it's not like science fiction. But I I don't like the 90s or it's really an 80s trope that we're late in the 90s. We're doing this. Like the electrocution for comedy mm-hmm. seems very hacky to me. Yeah. You feel like that we should have seen like uh, the lights go out and then like seen like Kramer's skeleton like in a cartoon version and then his yes, hair should have been all fried. Right. Yeah, oh, totally. Like it's just there's so much of this in like 70s and 80s sitcoms. I don't know we should be still doing this in 1997. I do like when Elaine and Kramer are fighting about who's going to do it. Elaine says to Kramer, I thought you had done this before. Uh, and Kramer says, well, it's just, it's no picnic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I assume Lomez actually did it for him or something. Probably. I mean, I would think that Lomez did it for himself. I mean, it was Lomez's issue. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Kramer didn't do this before. Okay. Uh, so they knock out the power in that apartment building. Uh, meanwhile, we see uh, Jerry with Marsha Cross Keith. Did you ever watch The Desperate Housewives? No. I mean, I've, I mean, not a full episode. Maybe my wife had it on for five minutes or something, yeah. but I, I, I never watched. Okay. Uh, Marsha Cross, well, what's she been up to? Um, uh, oh, Quantico. Oh, she's on Quantico? I hate yes. Quantico. I've never seen it. I don't Quantico. know. Quantico. So, yeah, she had a long run on Desperate Housewives uh, from 2004 to 2012, and then, yeah, has been doing Quantico. Listen, got to pay those bills. Got to pay those bills. Um, and then in between, uh, I don't know if she really had a, a, a and then uh, Melrose Place uh, that she was doing uh, pre Seinfeld in Quantico. She's the president of the United States, also. Oh, yeah! Wow, good for her. Yeah, science uh, fiction show. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she didn't have a ton of stuff going on. Uh, she was on Everwood uh, before Desperate Housewives. Oh, a CW show. CW show. Okay. So uh, she is a dermatologist, of course. Uh, that is a medical doctor, everybody. <laughs> and so uh, she talks about how it is so rewarding to save a person's life. I mean, she is like, uh, you know, just a terrible person. Like Jerry is the better person in this relationship. She's a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, she should come down from her high horse a little bit with this. Yeah. I mean, like, like Also, if you're like 26. And you're and you're like a young doctor and you're all excited. That's fine. She's like, a you know, a grown woman. She should not be mm-hmm. talking about this on the first date, how great she is. Yeah. 
And so she's talking about how great it is to save a life. And uh, Jerry asks if it's anything like uh, hitting a home run in softball. Uh, and she's sort of like she's over Jerry. Yeah, they're over each other. They, I don't know how they ever like like this isn't the first date or it, this is the first date. But like they should never have been set up. They should not be going out. This is a disaster. Yeah. Is this a bad fit in terms of professions, a uh, doctor and a comedian? I'm trying to think of any comedian out there who's married to a doctor. I can't. If you if you could think of a comedian married to a doctor, write in. I, I can't think of any. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think maybe Louis C.K.'s ex-wife was a psychiatrist, but I could be making that up. Yeah. I had Kumail Nanjiani's wife maybe was a psychologist also, but I, I, I you know, there aren't a lot. All right. Uh, so we see George at the photo store. He doesn't go back to the place where he had his photo. Oh, I thought of one. Yes. Uh, 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 Jen Chester's a doctor and uh, Alex Chester's a joke of a lawyer. That's like a comedian. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> George doesn't go back to the, the other photo store that we've seen on Seinfeld. This is the same photo store, right? It's the same photo store, but different people work there? Different people work there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's the same set, right? Yeah. So, like, then it's the same photo store, right? Okay. Uh, I guess so. I think we have to see what the branding is on the door. But uh, I like the guy who works at the photo store. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. He's he's actually, like, for a guy who's got a small role, he knocks out of the yeah. park. He does a good job. Like Jerry in softball. Oh, but there's really this is what this since like since season two, I think this episode has the least people. Yes. Like there's no other than the core four. There's Dr. Sidorides. Right. There is this guy in the store. There's Kruger. Like we never see anybody else in Kruger. Um, And is there one more person who speaks? I like there may be as an eighth person in the whole episode. That's it. Yeah. And uh, the guy who works in the photo store is uh, Larry Scott, who actually uh, has an extensive career, uh, perhaps uh, best known as Lamar from the Revenge of the Nerds movies. Oh, yeah. Know him well. <laughs> well, you, you would never watch that movie? Oh, no. I saw, I'm sure I saw it on like HBO or Showtime or something when I was a kid, but not the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess he was in uh, The Karate Kid and Space Camp also. Ooh, Space Camp. Keith, you should watch Seven Space Oscars. Camp. Yeah. Should I? Is that like the next bet is going to be Space <laughs> yeah, Camp if I lose? You should watch Space Camp. Uh, there's a cool robot in that movie. Uh, I'll check it out. Yeah. The Space Camp, the kids end up there like just at Space Camp and they get in the spaceship and guess what happens? What happens? Robot sends the thing into outer space and the kids have to fly the space shuttle home. Oh, and, and I assume they make it all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like uh, a tragedy. Yeah, I thought of the eighth person. It's the guy who thanks Sidorides at the restaurant for saving his life. But literally, there's only eight people in the whole episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an intimate cast. Yes. Okay. Uh, Anyway, we then go to uh, Elaine at her house. Uh, She's reading like a Sky Mall magazine. You like Sky Mall? No, I used to read it. But now there's like phones and computers and smart stuff. Like, I've never checked it out. Right. Since then. Uh, So Elaine is hearing the cat. Uh, the cat is uh, going nuts now. I'm no animal expert. I mean, I guess I'll become one after our animal draft. By the way, mm-hmm. just to like change the rules from last week where we had an animal draft where everyone brings home a dog from my friend, uh, Dr. Ed's uh, 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 veterinarian clinic. Yeah. Um, I don't think it should be 40 dogs. I realize the draft should be like different types of animals. Yeah. So there should be like eight dogs and those will like go at the beginning. But there should also be some like animals nobody wants, like five rabbits, four cats. Like geckos, hamster, you know what I mean? Like oh, it shouldn't I'd rather just have be a dogs. rabbit than another dog. 
Okay, so then if you have the first pick, you'll draft the rabbit. Yeah, I mean, it depends. Is it a deep dog draft? Like, are they good dogs or are there dogs? In oh, the they're draft? all good they're dogs. dogs. But, I mean, well, this is the internet. you know that there are d- dogs in the draft that it's like uh, this is like a franchise. Oh yeah, dog. listen, there's a couple. There's a couple duds. There's yeah. There's one that like that we said could become Instagram famous, but other than that, there's there's some duds, some old ones. Um, and I think like there's a snake in there. So whoever has the last pick might get stuck with a snake. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some pets nobody wants. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. And we're going to check in on everybody. If 12 months later, you you don't still have your animal and it's not still alive, uh, it's like a fine. We'll actually take we'll take some sort of down payment, like 10 grand from you, and you get it back after 12 months. If uh, there's one if, place uh, that's going to let us adopt all different. Yeah, I already spoke. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, we got it. We got it. I, I already spoke. I already spoke to uh, we got some voicemail stuff, you know, uh, mailbag stuff okay. from from the doctor, I think. I think we got the plan. Oh, a squirrel. Someone has to make a squirrel their pet. Also. No, that's you can't. Now, OK, now but you're that's joking. part of Seinfeld. That's Seinfeld. No, I'm not joking. Yeah, I'm not joking. That's Seinfeld lore. Yeah. I mean, it would be like having a food draft and not having like nonfat yogurt. I know, but you soup. can't really get a squirrel. You can I got excited. I got excited about the idea of having a rabbit, but uh, the squirrel. Okay. Well, then don't draft the squirrel. Well, well, I'll spoil some of the mailbag for you. Mm-hmm. He's treated squirrels and some of them were people's pets. Okay. All right. I guess he's so. treated 10 squirrels in like 40 years. Was it a squirrel or a ferret? You, I mean, he's a freaking veterinarian. Okay. You think he doesn't know the difference? Like, I, I we don't know the difference. Hey, I we're don't dummies, know. but like, I don't know. Uh, he's a, that's his job. Like, his whole job is to know the difference between a squirrel and a ferret. Okay. Uh, and, and, and he, he doesn't charge by the pound either. Oh, that's they don't do said. that. No. He, okay. And I said, what would he do if someone brought in a squirrel that got hit on the street? Uh, would like would they have to pay for it? He said a nom like a very small fee. Like he would ask for it, but it, it wouldn't be a big deal. Okay, uh, just to go back to George in the photo store, we touched on this, but didn't finish it out because uh, it sort of sets up a uh, running gag where that George uh, gets the photo back and he sees that he's still in the photo and uh, Mr. Kroger has been uh, or Kruger has been removed. Um, yeah, I mean, this photo store, they should be sued, basically, for how bad they messed mm-hmm. George up in this episode. Yeah, they really did mess things up. And George says, no, I wanted the other guy out. And uh, the clerk points out that, boy, you really lost a lot of hair. Yes. Uh, you know, George used to have a full head of hair. He I don't know if that's to. canon, but yeah. Okay. Uh, based on sort of like the high school gym flashbacks, uh, you know, uh, we've seen him with more hair. But this is only 1989 that this is happening. This yes. Is like, yeah. This is I mean, l- the show was on the air in 1989. Yeah. So that was when the boombox incident uh, first ended up happening. OK. Uh, so meanwhile, Jerry is talking with Kramer and uh, George. And so George is saying that uh, he's got to keep the photo gone until they could fix it up. Yeah, is he going to put it back? Like he says, like, I hope he doesn't realize. Oh, yeah. He's, he's just keeping the photo out. This is really what he should do. Try it for a week. If Kruger doesn't say anything about the photo being missing, just never give it back. I feel like this right. is an easy solution. It's just like, oh, I lost it. That'd be easier than uh, what he's trying to do. No, I lost it. Kruger doesn't know he took it. Like, just like. Kruger doesn't know that George stole it, even if he thinks it was stolen. Right. He doesn't know Which anything. I'm not sure he would think. They've already established yeah, like, him as a character. There's no reason to ever bring it back. Right. Right. So um, that he like he doesn't know what's going on in his life. So that, that's fine. Yeah. He's not going to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we're talking about uh, Kramer has a butcher's coat jacket. What would you call this? Yeah, I think a butcher's coat. Yeah, uh, that that's probably I don't know if there's like a clinical term for it. Right. Kramer says, uh, you know, you buy enough meat, they'll give you anything. 
and so Elaine comes in and says that, hey, that worked to turn off the alarm, but there must have been some sort of automatic cat feeder. Uh, and Kramer said that's the same thing that happened to Lomez. Uh, I mean, what are the chances of this, Keith? How common is an automatic cat feeder? To me, this person, first of all, this lady is not invited to our animal draft because she clearly doesn't have respect for pets like we do. That, how do you leave? You go to Paris and leave your cat at home for two weeks. Like, that's mm-hmm. insane. And I've never even heard of an automatic feeder. I don't know if it still exists or if it ever existed. Oh, I think it's probably but more common now than in 97. You can't. I mean, cats don't need to be walked like dogs. It's annoying, right? You have to like if you go on a long vacation, you actually have to like hire a dog sitter or put them in a kennel or whatever it's called. But the the a cat, you just have someone come every day and like feed it and clean the bowl, right? Like it's 10 seconds. It's insane that she cares so little that there's nobody checking up on this cat. Like this cat should die based on how she's treating it. Yeah. And so ultimately, uh, we don't know what the fate of the cat is going to be. No, well, like, I guess it's a good question for Mr. Henry when we speak to him. For yeah. Darren Henry. I mean, I can we don't imagine know if the that they can there. I mean, they're sitting there with sliced meat. They could be continuing to put sliced meat under the door for the cat. Yeah. I mean, I guess like until the person comes back. But right. Uh, you know, they don't. I, I mean, I'm not so sure. I, I don't know if this cat like this cat's going to die eventually anyway, because clearly there's a lot of neglect going on. Yeah. Now, in terms of the feeding the cat the deli meats, I feel like that in true Seinfeld fashion, something goes wrong with that also. Like uh, that, that, that part of the plan ends up going pretty seamlessly. No, yeah, feeding the cat under the, under the table was pretty smooth. I, it's, it's a brilliant idea. No question. Yeah. So, uh, so far, so good uh, with the way that that's working out. So the other thing that's going on is that we are learning more about the uh, dermatologist and uh, Jerry really comes down, poo-poo's the whole profession. What, what an idiot. And he says the whole thing is just put some aloe on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not only does he not know anything about dermatologists, but there's no one, no one in the core four who can correct him. Yeah. So Elaine and Kramer go to go feed the cat the deli meat. And George says, you know what you need? You need the opportunity to put that aloe pusher in her place. Uh, what's George's problem with the dermatologist? I don't think he hates dermatologists. I think it's just like a scheme of his. Like this is his. He's always wanted to do an, a revenge date. And here's his chance. Yes. And he says that uh, she's one step away from the clinic counter. Uh, that's really rough. I mean, she went to medical school. Yeah. So, uh, again, very rude. Very rude from George Costanza. And uh, Jerry says, all right, he needs to go and tell her off. George says, you got to do it classy as he's wiping his face with his shirt and go to a fancy dinner and you need flowers also. Yeah. No, I I mean, I like I do like the plan. I like the idea of like showing her, but not but only if she did something wrong, like, you know, just to just to show her up here. Why spend all this money? That's un George like Mm -hmm. anyway. uh, So we then go back to the uh, Elaine's uh, potato building. And so uh, they're slicing the meat. Everything again is working. The cat likes it. I like when Kramer says, oh, I've cut slices so thin I couldn't even see him. Mm hmm. And Elaine says, uh, yeah, how did you know? I just assumed. Yeah. Okay. And so Elaine wants to borrow the meat slicer. Kramer's skeptical. He says she doesn't even know where the meat goes. Right. I like this scene also. Like, where does the meat go? And then she answers a few questions and it ends with where's the meat go? Right. All right. So we see Jerry on his date with Sarah, who uh, is the dermatologist. And so he wants to know, uh, how's the life saving business? It must take a really big zit to kill a man. And uh, I mean, he's really aggro with her. He's like, uh, you call yourself a lifesaver. I call you pimple popper MD. 
And then immediately a man comes over who is her patient who thanks her for saving uh, his life. He had skin cancer. Yeah. Again, small town. Very reasonable that this guy would just be next to them. But but what was Jerry's plan? Like after this pimple up empty, even if he's right, even if she is a joke, what's she going to do? Just sit there like someone's leaving immediately. Right. Is she going to not drink in his face? Yeah. Like what's the upside here? It it doesn't seem like it's going to there's any positive expectation of this. Yeah. So. I just I don't know why Jerry was so uh, mean about this. She was really mean to him and monks. Uh, I guess so. I guess. Uh, yeah, he, like she was really dismissive of him and right. like she was putting herself yeah. over as this hero. I, mean, I guess I can kind of see it. Um, so we then see Elaine on the phone. Uh, she's talking about how the great the meat slicer is. She's using it to open letters. Keith, is this feasible? I mean, I feel like that this is a bad idea to use the meat slicer to open the letters because I feel like that you're mo- more often than not going to cut up the letter, right? Yeah, the letter could get cut. Your fingers, like what, once you're dealing with smaller things, your fingers are at risk, right? I don't I don't know if it's really worth it. I yeah. think letters you could probably open pretty easily on your own. Right. You don't want any wrestler action going on. That's right. Right. Uh, Elaine has some unevenness in her high heels, and she goes to use the, uh, the slicer for that. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a foolproof plan, honestly. Yes. Uh, ultimately, it's going to uh, jam up the slicer. Uh, meanwhile, we see George. He ends up getting the photo back, and it's like a cartoon drawing of Mr. Kruger. Uh, he says this looks like a Peanuts character. Yeah, and I like that the clerk's very proud of himself. Like, this is a pretty good picture considering. Yeah, I did it from memory. Uh, and George says, I need a photograph. And the guy at the store says, yeah, well, you better get a camera. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, different t- different time. Okay. Um, we see Jerry and George uh, talking about what George should do next. Uh, George is talking about how uh, they can get a photo of him, but it needs to be without his shirt on. Um, and Jerry says, well, maybe working at Kruger wasn't the place for you. And they start talking about other ideas. Uh, George actually suggests, what about the Coast Guard? It seems like there's a lot of pride, a lot of tradition. Uh, yeah, I don't know if George is a Coast Guard guy. I do like he wants to be the land guy, though. Yes. Uh, I mean, to me, this is a bit of a throwback, which I like going back to when George said, I mean, I mean the was it the third season of the fourth season when he's talking about like, uh, I could be a sports writer. That's right. Uh, (laughs) You know, or I could. He wanted to be. uh, He wanted to be the color guy. He wanted to be an announcer. I think. Well, they they usually like reserve those jobs for you know former players and people that know a lot. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that he also talked about how he reads Mike Lupica at that point. Yeah, back when people used to read Mike Lupica. Yes. Um, So they uh, uh, see Elaine come in. She needs pliers. She needs something. She got something stuck in the slicer. Uh, well, she got her heel stuck, right? Yes, yes. but she's just, she doesn't tell the, that uh, that she has. Uh, she needs the pliers to get the uh, the heel out. Uh, George is asking about how did the revenge date go? Yeah, <laughs> skin cancer. Yes, uh, like uh, I really love Jason Alexander's response. He's like, "Oh, it backfired." <laughs> yeah, like yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, so George's like, oh, I guess I was lucky. I didn't try that out. Yeah. Good job, George. Like, I mean, I do like when George gives his, you know, does let someone else do his dirty work. So yes. he dodged a bullet here. Yes. Um, so we see that Elaine talks about how she met Sarah, that she was doing some sort of skin cancer tr- uh, screening at Peterman. Uh, and they sort of like get the bright idea that we should have her come to Kruger. And then she could do the skin cancer screening there get Kruger to take his shirt off and then they could take a picture of him. I, I have to say in terms of like episodes where things tie together, I do think the slicers up there in the top 10. 
There is a lot of stuff, especially when we get to Jerry and his rash. I, I feel like that the plot here is uh, is pretty strong. There's a lot of crossover. Yes, the like just, you know, they're playing the long game in this episode more so than in most episodes like Kramer wearing the, um, you know, the the doctor's coat or the, you know, the really butcher, the chef yeah. coat, the butcher coat, like, you know, from the beginning. And that's like a throwaway line. But it's not the type of line that you're thinking, oh, that's going to pay off at the end, right? It's just like a funny Kramerism, but then it ends up like being a key plot in, you know, one of the one of the crucial parts of the episode. They really are, you know, there's there's some next level stuff in this episode. Right. And I feel like that we're more likely to kill an episode that the plot doesn't make any sense, but it has like better jokes and more iconic moments where I feel like that this is almost the opposite, where the plot is pretty airtight here. Yes. But I feel like overall, there's almost no iconic jokes. There's no iconic line or moment in an otherwise, you know, pretty forgettable episode. Well, I think my take on this episode is that it's like the most sort of like solid and consistent episode where one of the top of the series is just not especially funny necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably like more good than funny. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Like it's it's just like the, the, the things tie together well. It's not a cartoon like some of the other episodes in season nine, like the cartoon, literally mm-hmm. the episode, of the cartoon like. But you know what I mean? But again, right. If somebody said, like, what's the most iconic joke in the slicer? I think you'd really have to like I, Pimple Popper MD, I guess, is like the most famous thing from the episode. I mean, that's not good. Well, no, I think it's good. I think it's fine. But I, but, I mean, I mean that if Pimple Popper MD is the most iconic thing from this episode, that's what's not good. OK, Um. Yeah, so I, I, it's a it's a weird episode in that it's it it's it everything ties together. Yeah, I think the like the writers did a really good job, but maybe there should be a few more jokes in there. Right, it's there's just, so much plot. Maybe there's so much plot that they didn't have time for too the much plot. That's right, not enough character development, Keeve. Yeah, which I mean, that's a rare complaint of ours for you know for uh, you know uh, this this show. Like we haven't said that a lot in, in nine seasons. Right, but what do you have when it's like uh, this is a plot that works like clockwork, but not a ton of big laughs? You know, you have an episode that's not the most uh, memorable thing that you're going to uh, get here in season nine. Well, maybe it is. I uh, Maybe it's my number one of all time. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe could, it could, it could well be anyway. Uh, so we then see uh Kramer coming in. He needs to get the slicer back. Uh, yeah. I mean, like the slicer to him is like a girlfriend at this point. Like he's obsessed with it. He's obsessed with the slicer. He needs it back. I'm surprised he let Elaine borrow it. Yeah. It's weird that he even said yes. I, we didn't see him say yes on screen. I don't think. Right. But it's weird. He said yes. Yes. So Elaine tells him that uh, she's going to go straight home, but she has to stop at the circus uh, when there used to be circuses. Uh, and uh, she brings up the clowns uh, and Kramer sort of like recoils like, ah, I hate clowns. Um, this seemed like a weird deep pull for Elaine. It is a deep pull. You know, it's established from another episode. I, As someone who hates clowns and you don't even like that, I have a clown picture on my no. uh, Twitter background. You want me to change that? Yeah. You, you know, but listen. I'm not going to I'm not going to throw my Zadie under the bus just because you don't want a picture of him there. Um, the the uh, the circus just ended. Right. As you alluded to, like the Ringling Ringling Brothers, Ringling, did, yeah. Ringling Brothers ended. Were you happy? Was that a victory for you? Um, 
No, not necessarily. As a clown hater? Yeah, as a clown hater. I, I mean, again, I don't want to piss off the clowns. So. Um, right. I mean, They're unemployed. They have all the free time in the world to come after yes. you now also. Uh, I think as an animal. They're probably going to start their own podcast. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, who who isn't? Uh, Keeve, uh, as an animal clowns. lover, yeah. I would say that I was happy that. Uh, sure. But but I think a lot of the animals from the Ringling Brothers Circus like got sold to like other circuses like in Europe. So I can't imagine that was like. Oh. No, it's probably um, I'd probably rather be in the right. I'd probably rather be at the NASA Coliseum that like right. in some like, you know, Viennan disgusting circus. Right. Um, uh, as Jerry once said, um, when presented with the opportunity to be in the alien circus of the alien zoo, uh, at least the circus. Hey, that's show business. That's right. You see the and you get to go places every week. Yeah, you get to travel. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The, it's weird. Like, I, the, I don't know if you have any good memories of going to the circus when you were a kid. All my circus memories are horrible. Yeah, why? Well, one time my grandparents took me, um, and and my grandmother had a um, like a vein in her leg. You oh, know no. how sometimes, yeah, like explode, just like randomly what? explode. That happens. Yeah, your veins can explode. Well, I, well can I mean, can I can I get really um, like not uh, actually serious for a second? It's also how she passed. Like she had a vein. Oh my! She God. had a vein explode uh, in her sleep. We don't know what happened. I, it's possible she had a heart attack. Well, first of all, uh, I, after believe, that, I believe our code is like uh, you need to sit down. Right. Yeah. But that's my grandma. Yeah. I wasn't going to like, you know, we're going off script for that. But but yeah, no. So at the circus, her she had like 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 her legs were like very like blue, like the blue veins and just one popped and it was like bleeding all over the place. And we had to leave the circus. And I was like a little kid. I was very scared. Oh my I mean, God. she was fine then. But um, so like I just have horrible memories of the circus. Yeah, Keith, this is terrible. I mean, this is going to so the circus can go to hell. I mean, I'm happy that that. that like, yeah, but you don't blame that, the circus. No, I don't blame the circus, but I, it's just like it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just didn't like, you know, when uh, like how the elephants smelled or anything like that. And, uh, you know, no fan of the. Clown. I mean, it's insane. There's just like a lion 30 feet from you also. Yeah. Like they could snap, but they don't really have any control over the lions. Like the lions could just come after you and there's nothing you could do. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> ask Siegfried and Roy, right? Yeah, no, for sure. It's insane. Like, I don't even want to be in the same building as a lion. I mean, that. Uh, Good riddance to the circus. Okay. Uh, we see Jerry go back to Sarah's office and uh, he apologizes for everything uh, that he talks about how uh, he didn't mean it. And, um, you know, she has no desire to see him again because of what he said. Uh, but he'll she'll do the screening. He wants to know, was it pimple popper MD? Was that the uh, sort of offending line? And she says, yes, it was. And uh, Jerry takes some, uh, you know, uh, pats himself on the back for that. Yeah. um, Yeah, it was that one. (laughs) Who's the pimple popper MD line? I mean, she's very gracious and is still agreeing to go to this, but I guess that's her job. Yeah, she believes she's a lifesaver. Yes. And that's what she does above all else. Yes. Okay. Um, So we end up then with uh, Kramer showing up at Elaine's door. He needs the slicer back. Yeah, uh, like really, this is a miracle by Elaine to get this uh, heel out just in time. Yeah, so that's a miracle. But there's something going on with Elaine's door. And this is maybe the one area where there's no good explanation why the doorknob to Elaine's apartment breaks off. I mean, is he like banging on the door? Is that what is that what breaks it? Is that possible? Kramer sort of like slamming on the door constantly. Mm, I'm not sure. Uh, See, this is a good question for the writers because this is like a yes or no question that they should be able to answer. So uh, Kramer just uh, like opens the door and then just the doorknob falls off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So it might be that he was banging on it. I feel like that can knock a doorknob off sometimes. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, so Elaine, uh, she gives him the slicer and then, uh, sort of she's on a phone call and then, uh, that she gives him the slicer and then ultimately, uh, Kramer, uh, is upset about the thing ending up, uh, being dinged up blade. Uh, and then he pulls on the doorknob and then it falls off. He falls backwards. I like that he falls into the next apartment and then they tell him, get out of here. He says, whoa, that's a lot of potatoes. Okay, so now here's my question. Yes. Elaine said, my neighbor's away. They, they set an alarm for 3.30 every morning. They left it on. And, and someone says, uh, like, is, are those the ones that smell like potatoes? Or Elaine says, those are... Elaine says, you remember that next door neighbor of mine, the apartment that always smells like potatoes? Yes. Right? Yes. So they went to Paris and, and, and their alarm's been beeping. Now, Kramer falls into an apartment, which is clearly next to Elaine's. The guy's home. And they have a lot of potatoes. Yeah. Is this like the other apartment on the other side? Well, that also smells like potatoes. Is it possible? Or is this just a big error? Okay, no, I don't think it's an error. Um, uh, is it a that they have cooked so much potatoes that all the apartments smell like potatoes? Right. I mean, people. again, they do say Jerry does respond with your whole building smells like potatoes. That's fair. Yeah, The whole building smells like potatoes. Uh, B, is there some sort of like is Elaine's house in a specific like ethnic district that like uh, mm. there's a lot of potato in the cuisine and so yeah every ethnicity that is building, that by the way because i would by the way like to become part of that ethnicity what you love potatoes like, i love potatoes yeah what what but i would like to know like who love which which culture or which ethnicity is like very potato centric well, uh, well keith like well this is a uh yeah. the, this we we uh do we that that's not a thing that we should be talking about keith well, you don't, do you even know the answer? I think that there, there's, uh, I mean, that traditionally... There's no stereotype of a country that's obsessed with potatoes. Well, I would and say, by the I, way, I that if the, you're the country that's obsessed with potatoes, you should wear that badge proudly yeah. and not be embarrassed of it. It's not like which country smells like feet. It's potatoes are good. Uh, well, we do love uh, potatoes, uh, but I believe that it's the, the Irish. Who's we? Me and you, uh, yeah, well, or are you talking we, about Italian? We, no, people? we we love we love both love potatoes, but I believe that uh, who's we? Oh, us. Okay, yes. yeah. Uh, I believe that uh, Irish cooking is a well. Lot they of had this. the potato famine, potato right? Famine, but now there's no potato famine here, right? But maybe they got sick of the potatoes after the potato famine. Yeah, but I don't know, like uh, necessarily, if uh, you know. Elaine, uh, if there's anything in her building that like uh, everybody's cooking, cooking potatoes for any specific reason. Okay, InsiderMonkey.com, 11 countries that consume the most potatoes. Okay. Uh, all right. Would you like to guess which country is number one? America. No. Oh. It's Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe. Okay. What is it? It is Belarus. Oh, Belarus. So she could be in like a little Belarus. Little, she might be in little Belarus. There's also Russia, Kyrgyzstan, Ukraine, Poland. So it's all Eastern Europe. Okay. They love their potatoes in Eastern Europe. Yeah. I mean, a lot to love. What's not to love? Maybe the starch, you know. I think we should go. Maybe we should do the finale from Belarus and like <laughs> we'll have a lot of potato stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Why not? Why not? Uh, coming to you live from Belarus. Uh, it's- I'm trying to think who who like. I think my sister went to Belarus once hmm. to like a summer camp there. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Belarus. I don't know. If we have, do you think camp. like space camp? Is it? I don't space think. Camp? I, no, I don't think. No, no. It was a camp where for like for like kids, like they were the counselors, and the kids were like it was like uh, you know they were maybe less fortunate, and there was a camp for kids can, can I, in Belarus who were. Can less I fortunate. spoil one of the plot points of Space Camp? 
Oh yeah, spoiled spoiled space. Minsk is the famous city in Belarus. Oh, Mon- yeah, Minsk. Yeah, that's probably from Rochelle Rochelle, Rochelle yeah. camp. Yeah, that's right. Um, so in the movie Space Camp, uh, the character mm-hmm. played by photo uh, shop worker uh, Lamar from Revenge of the Nerds, Larry Scott, um, mm-hmm. I, I, that they lose oxygen. He's Belarusian. No, they okay. lose oxygen on the space shuttle. And uh, they have to like all hold their breath for a long time. And you know what? Uh, you know what? Larry Scott tells everybody to do what? Think about French fries, potatoes. It all comes back. Oh, that's good. Big part of the space program. All right. To show hospitality, a host in Belarus traditionally presents an offering of bread and salt when greeting a guest or visitor. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, like on. Game I want of a Thrones. culture that gives me something. It's like an Italian restaurant, and you know, you want to get the bread and also free bread. You don't want to have be charged for the bread, like when you get to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. I like I want to go to somebody's house and I want to, you know, I want to be offered food the second I walk in. That's a that's a culture I'm interested in. OK. All right. Uh, and then that once you're in, you accept the bread and salt. That means that you are provided with like safe haven there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You offer the bread and salt like you're yeah, you're you're like a friend for sure. Yes, absolutely. And they shouldn't kill you then. No. Well, they're not. There's no they're not going to kill us. We're, <laughs> we're friends. So that's what a lot of so, people think. Uh, Listen, the people of Belarus aren't going to kill you. Okay. The um, all right. So finale podcast in Minsk. We're not going to be able to do the bus tour. We can't drive to Minsk. What's the but, uh, um, pet adoption scene in Belarus? Ooh, that's a good question. You got to be careful. Remember, Johnny Depp went to Australia with his pet and he like almost went to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't this podcast, I doubt, has any Belarusian listeners. You don't know that. Well, uh, listen, if you listen to this podcast and you're from Belarus, definitely email us. But I bet, like, Rob has a podcast, I'm sure, has a couple listeners from Belarus. Probably. So should we, like, maybe tomorrow, maybe at the end, I'll say, like, if you're from Belarus, you have to hit us up because we want to do a podcast live. There's probably never been a live English language podcast in Belarus. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, again, why, like if we why do we one podcast from Belarus, because the Lane's apartment smells like potatoes, and in Belarus yeah, consumes the most potatoes. That's why we're going to do correct. the finale. And podcast we love there. and we're pro, we're a pro potato podcast. I mean, couldn't we just go to Idaho? Oh, shoot. That's a better idea. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Belarus. You're off the hook. All right. I mean, there's a lot of passports involved. Well, you have one now. You may as well use it like every day. I guess so. Uh, pet draft is probably easier in Idaho. Yeah, for sure. Pet draft, Idaho. We could we could do the bus thing and then you could just drive like drive home. Mm-hmm. Idaho is not that far away from California. Yeah. All right. Okay. Sorry, Belarus. Next year. Sorry. Next time. we'll Sorry. Do Close call there for the English speaking podcast listening uh, Belarus uh, fan. We apologize. Sorry to get your hopes up. All right. Um, we, uh, then see, uh, Kramer, uh, talking with Jerry and they're going to end up, uh, smoothing out the slicer over at Kruger. Jerry has developed an allergic reaction. Yeah. He's itching. Yes. Uh, and he thinks that maybe the dermatologist, uh, gave this to him. Uh, Kramer cites a Bible passage. He says, uh, as the Bible says, uh, thou who cureth can maketh ill is that a real bible passage um i believe caleb uh from atlanta the bible expert says no okay all right so that's a that's a fake bible passage uh yeah kramer is uh fake news all right fake news fake bible fake scripture okay um and so kramer says you got to tell her that uh you know you are not some test tube pincushion for her um yeah no it's insane jerry believing uh, what Kramer says here is bananas. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, luckily, she happens to be at Kruger 
And uh, that's where Kramer's headed anyway. So they both head on down there. Yeah, everyone's going to end up at Kruger. Everybody ends up there. So that makes a lot of sense for the episode. All right. Uh, meanwhile, Elaine realizes uh, she is locked in her apartment. She can't get out. Yeah. And there's no like there's I mean, first of all, most New York City apartments have like the fire. The, the, yeah, fire escape. So she should be able to get out that way at the very least. Potentially. But uh, that she's not ready to go to those lengths yet. Um, anyway, so. We see George uh, and Sarah, and they're waiting for Jerry. And George is explaining, we need uh, you to take a photograph of uh, Mr. Kruger for the record. Uh, But Jerry comes down, and uh, he's really, you know, coming on strong uh, and accusing Sarah of giving him some sort of a rash. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. Like, it's uh, Jerry's too smart for this. This is dumb. This is dumb. And again, he's coming on too strong. He says, uh, I want the antidote, pimple popper. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, go after her again. Good idea. Right. Like, like they, wait for him to do the favor first and then go after her. Yeah. And so uh, he is very upset. Uh, she's upset. She leaves. And now here comes Mr. Kruger for the uh, skin cancer screening. But now the doctor is gone, but he sees Kramer in the jacket from the butcher and assumes Kramer's the doctor. This is probably the funniest sort of moment of the episode. Yes. All right. So Kramer has to check Mr. Kruger. And so uh, Kramer, I like uh, when George is telling him to check for moles. He says, yes, freckles, ugly cousin. Yeah. No, by the way, this is a good scene. And I said there aren't a lot of great jokes, but like I like the, you know, when he says like, you know, I saw like a mole that had another mole on it, a freckle that was on two men. Those are good jokes. Yeah. I mean, those are well-written lines. I mean, I feel like that's not like things that, you you know, are going to fall out of your chair. No, you're not like repeating that, you know, to your uh, your buddies right. on the street. Um, I do like we get to see Elaine and the cat is meowing too loud. So she just turns up the music really loud. And then uh, we see a reprise of Elaine's uh, little kicks dancing. Yeah, some bad dancing. Bad dancing. All right. So here is Kramer with Kruger and uh, they're talking about everything. Uh, Kramer is, uh, you know, trying to BS his way through being a doctor. And um, Kramer notices uh, there is a mole on Mr. Kruger's shoulder. Yeah. I like usually when like Kramer's saying stupid things like you're a mammal and like generally in the sitcom verse. The guy doesn't realize, but Kruger like immediately susses out that Kramer is an idiot, but doesn't especially care. Yeah, he doesn't care. Nothing really bothers Kruger. He's a pretty chilled guy other than when he throws George's. Maybe he maybe started. You know what happened in 1989? He throws a guy's uh, clothing into the into the ocean. Then that guy throws his kid's new boombox into Mm -hmm. the ocean. Yeah. And he realizes, you know what? I've, I've I've harmed my children like I've gone too far. That next day, he starts taking up transcendental meditation. And oh, now he's a chill wow. guy who doesn't care about anything. This episode really does tie in together. That's amazing. There's a whole yeah. like backdoor commercial for TM. Yes. This whole episode sponsored sponsored by, by no free ads. But yeah, TM, if you're, how do you if get you're his listening kids to be quiet, like what do you mean to be quiet? Like, how does he get them to calm down afterwards? No. How does he get his kids to be quiet so he can meditate? Oh, good question. Um. I mean, they're older, right? They're out of the house. The problem isn't that you have kids. The problem is you have young kids, so someone's always home, right? Someone's home, yeah. If you get, it doesn't matter you have kids. You get them out of the house, you can meditate. Yeah. All right. Jerry has kids. He just has a big house, so he probably doesn't hear them ever. Yeah. Anyway, so going back to uh, George and Kramer, Kramer says like, hey, uh, I think we got a problem here. Kruger has uh, has a mole after he got a picture of him. 
George says, tell him to go see a real doctor. And Kramer is uncomfortable with this. Hey, if I am a trained dermatologist, why would I send him to another doctor? Um, yeah, yeah. But this is sort of like a brilliant, like an evil but brilliant um, sort of like connection. It's treated very flippantly. And Kruger doesn't die at the end of the series, which he probably should. I think this is a funnier episode of Kruger dies in the last scene, honestly. <sighs> It's dark, but it's like, or he doesn't die. Maybe he like he has skin cancer or something. Yeah. I mean, I think that is the takeaway. Yeah. But we see him if, like in a three or four more episodes. Like I, he's not I mean, dead. you know, it's not like uh, I, I, I think that there's some uh, some lead time on that. I don't think it's sort of like, you know, uh, you get Ebola. Um, right. There is lead time. Right. My dad has had skin cancer for like 20 years. He's fine. Like I, not everything is not everything, is, you know. Like that's what you know. That's why you, you could still mock the dermatologist, but mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Uh, so Kramer wants to do a biopsy with the meat slicer. Yeah, no, it's a, that's. I mean, like I, I like. By the way, what if Kruger died this way? It's such yes. a good idea. I don't think Kruger would let Kramer do a biopsy on him. Also, mm-hmm. like Kruger at this point has established that he is like a, that. He knows that Kramer's dummy. Yeah, you think so? I mean, he says, like, how long have you been doing this? As if he's like, this is his first day on the job. Yeah, I just feel like he doesn't care. No, I mean, like, he doesn't care about his own health, though. That's like a pretty deep level of not caring. Yeah. I wonder if maybe, like, you got him a couple of drinks. He'd say, like, hey, what the hell? You know, go ahead, biopsy me. I mean, is that how doctor's offices work? Like, you give you give the patient some drinks and they're chilled? I mean, I think we've already proven that I don't know anything about the medical industry. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for yeah. sure. Okay. I would, I'm trying to, th- like, t- I'd like to hear your wife's response, like, after after this episode like <laughs> like explain to her what you thought like tell her that you thought dermatologists weren't mds first i think she'll yeah, appreciate that, that that i think you have a misguided outlook on my wife if you think that like facts are things that like make her mad it's like uh you know like oh i thought it was this it was actually this no like, i didn't think she'd make mad but she might be like oh i can't believe you thought that like and she for sure knows because mm-hmm. she works with doctors all day so i would think that like She'll, she'll, you know, it might lessen her opinion of you. Yeah, uh, it's possible. impossible. <laughs> All right, uh, Elaine's trying to call a locksmith. Uh, she has Inagata Davida playing very loud. Uh, the neighbor yeah. ends up shorting out the electricity on her. Uh, yeah, all this like electricity, you know, sort of, uh, you know, going back and forth. Who knew that you could do that to your neighbors? Yeah. All this time I had neighbors in Manhattan. I never thought like, I'm just going to shut off their power if they keep being annoying. Right. I didn't know you could localize it so much. Like, I feel like that you probably. I know. Also, like there aren't like, I wish there were outlets in the hall. Like there's no, it's so hard to find outlets, especially in old Manhattan apartment building. Yeah. All right. Then we end up going back to uh, Jerry and George talking. uh, And uh, we find out that Kramer ended up getting the photo. And uh, they got it back on his desk. Um, yeah. No, good job by George. Yeah. I, I, like, this is kind of, like, again, this is silly and almost impossible, but, like, realistic. Like, it's not insane. Right. Um, the problem is that Jerry's uh, rash has expanded to his entire neck and face. Jerry says it looks like he had a beard of bees. Yeah, that's not good. Not good. Um, and so they're trying to find a new uh, dermatologist to treat Jerry. Kramer comes in with some sort of a dermatology book. Again, Kramer has seems to have a book for everything. Yeah. I mean, he probably just like robbed the library. I, I also like that there's so many Seinfeld episodes where it's like, oh, we can't find a doctor, which is pretty realistic in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Kramer talks to George and says he really well, he wants to tell Kruger uh, about everything. He needs to uh, you know tell him what's going on. Yeah. Kramer has the conscience between the three guys here. Yeah. He can't have this on his head. 
And so um, we see George say, okay, like, uh, fine, I'll, I'll uh, like, let me, I'll get into a real doctor. You stay away from this. Um, we see that Jerry then finds the rash in the medical book, uh, and it finds out that this is due to exposure to benzene, a common ingredient in metal cleaners. Yeah, wop wop. Yes, and it turns out that Kramer's meat slicer was the cause of the rash. Yeah, and he was, cle- he was cleaning it with his towel, which is Jerry's face towel. Now, Keeve. Yeah. Is it possible Jerry could have been using the towel to clean his face and not pick up on the smell of the metal cleaner. I mean, does it smell that much, though? I would think so. I would think it would be the kind of thing where you would know, like, a, like some sort of strong irritant was on something. I, I, I get the sense that, that that substance would smell. Uh, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Does metal smell? I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, and not the metal smells. I think that metal cleaner is going to smell. Yeah, I guess. I guess. But again, like how long do you wipe, wash your, wipe your face with the face towel? I, mean, for? I, I like feel like it's second. the kind of thing that if it was on a towel in your bathroom, you'd walk in there and be like, like, a, like yeah, you're probably right. Something smells weird. Listen, it's not the biggest hole we've ever found, but right, it's a fair right, point. Right. But for Jerry, who is notoriously neurotic about this stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. And but also he like I'm surprised he doesn't throw out his whole house. He's so disgusted. Here. Right. Uh, he throws the towel at Kramer and um, uh, the, Kramer uh, initially thinks that somehow the bronzo is reacting with the poison uh, and uh, the towel hits Kramer in the face. Uh, Kramer points out, hey, that's uh, toxic. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kramer's just like some some episodes Kramer's smart and some episodes like this one where he's really a dope. Okay. Uh, and then we see George back with Mr. Kruger. And so he tries to tell Mr. Kruger he got a message from Dr. Van Nostrand about the mole. And uh, Kruger is not worried. And he goes and points to a photo on his desk and says, look, this mole looks exactly the same as it does uh, 10 years ago. Um, Yeah, no, this is a really good call. Also, like this is really like solid, like second and third level stuff by the writers. You know, maybe that's why they needed three writers for this episode, but it's really right. smart. Uh, and he adds in. And when we were there, uh, there was a dumb looking guy and we went for a swim and then we threw all his stuff in the ocean. What a pear shaped loser. Yeah. I, George should use this knowledge to like lord it over him and sort of like take better revenge on Kruger than just, you know, breaking the news right now and assuming he's going to get fired, even though he doesn't. Right. And so George like tells him off, which is a little surprising. Uh, and Kruger says, uh, well, I'll be. You lost a lot of hair. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, it's pretty funny. And again, Kruger really doesn't care about anything. Funny reaction. I mean, that guy has no hostility. Yeah, he doesn't care. Uh, we then, should really should do transcendental meditation if this is how we're going to react. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's what I thought. But uh, yeah. No. But what do you think? Jerry? So Jerry is super into the TM yes. stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he says. Don't you think a lot of- don't you think you should be hugging then? Mm, I, I don't know. I don't I don't think it's necessarily, uh, you know part of it you don't think so well he says like in like sort of like the promotional materials that he used to just do it like on the seinfeld set in the afternoon uh you're supposed to do it twice a day you're supposed to do it in the morning and then in the afternoon uh and uh that he was only doing it in the afternoon at the time that he did seinfeld but that's one of the things that kept him going during the filming of seinfeld according to right uh the propaganda uh yeah so listen if he did it three times a day we would have had a season 10 We'd yeah still be going i think you might get to a point of diminishing returns i mean maybe i mean he doesn't seem like an angry guy but I, I i don't know i don't know if that was like the tm response to kesha yeah the uh improved focus is uh one of the selling points yeah i don't think it ma- makes you want to necessarily hug people that you don't know right okay fair enough okay 
Um, so everybody's still locked out of Elaine's apartment. They're sitting in the hallway, uh, meat slicer going, and uh, they're trying to feed Elaine through the door. I got some pastrami, got some olive loaf. You ever have that? No, I don't even know what it is. Uh, is it is it actually olives? Because olives are gross. Yeah, it it's almost like a bologna with like um like a jello mold of like olives like uh in in it. That sounds like so a, gross, Rob. I can't yeah. even I can't even imagine. Yes. Uh not popular. Anyway, um so Jerry can't believe that Kruger didn't fire George and uh George explains he didn't care. I mean, yeah, George would have been fine. It, this wouldn't have been a devastating job for George Lewis. It's not the Yankees, but it's pretty funny to right. get fired. And then they're just waiting for the uh, the locksmith. Um, Elaine wants a sip of the drink through the door. Uh, and Jerry is just putting some aloe on his rash. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. Um, Keith, there you go. That's the slicer. The slicer. The slicer. Okay. Uh, you want to talk through everything in terms of the grades? Sure. So, uh, Jerry... Um, you know, the, the pimple popper MD is pretty memorable. Uh, you know, she's mostly out, you know, halfway, at least the relationship is over. I'll give that a B plus. Hmm. B plus. I'll, I'll say, uh, more of a B minus for me. Uh, okay. I, I don't know why Jerry's so angry with, uh, the dermatologist. It's not, like she's he, pretty hateful in that first scene. Like he, she's really detestable. Yeah. I mean, somewhat, but. Uh, not enough to make him go as nuts as he did. Okay. Okay. Uh, then what about George with Mr. Kruger? Uh, yeah, I mean, Kruger is an interesting character. I like him. Um, I, it's a funny concept. It pays off really well at the end. I'm going to give it an A minus. A minus. Uh, yep. That's, that's about where I would have it. A minus, maybe a B plus, uh, but no major, uh, complaints with George and Kruger. I mean, it's pretty original. Like, even if you think this isn't a funny story, like, None of these are really derivative, like just, you know, taking the picture, getting it out. It's a very original storyline. I, I do like it, mm-hmm. especially coming off the heels last week of like a really, you know, original and, and, and new storyline with the Merv Griffin stuff. I think the writers are, you know, this is really the strong point of season nine. OK, uh, what about Elaine getting locked in her apartment? I mean, listen, it's a very as it's clearly the worst of the four storylines. It's a very necessary storyline. That's not sometimes we'll be like, it didn't even tie into anything. There's no purpose of it. It's like. The you know she borrowed the slicer. The neighbors were, were very relevant, it's, so it's very relevant to the story. So it's not like I would take it out or anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's a little weird. Uh, everything's sort of ambiguous. Like there is no neighbor. We don't see them. We don't know why the door breaks. So I'll give it a C. Uh, I'll give it a D. It's for me. I, I just don't know what the I, Elaine. Okay, I'll, I'll give a, a D plus for Elaine dancing. Yeah. Again, nothing really funny. But, um, you know, there's also nothing harmful. And it's not like we spend that much time with it. No benzene. Right. Yeah. And what's the last one? Kramer. OK. And then the last one is Kramer and he is having the meat slicer. Um, nothing wrong with this. Uh, I'll say it's a meat slicer is fine. But the Van Nostrand stuff is really good. So I give it an a minus also. Yeah. OK. All right, Keeve. Did this yeah. crack the mm. top 100 uh, for you? I get mm. the sense that it did. I feel like you probably have it at like 81. No, you're a little low. I have it all the way up at 57. 57. Okay. There you go. Again, it's it's really solid. I like they The writers did a good job with this episode of tying stuff together. Okay. You got to right. commend them for that. 51, you said? 57. 57. 57. Okay. Uh, that's really high. Okay. Listen, I... This is maybe one of the episodes, uh, you know, at least in the last few seasons where we're where this would not be in your top hundred, probably. 
I think it'd be right around there. I mean, for me, okay. um, I, I just think that uh, we've sort of cracked the code of like better to have the one iconic moment around yeah, like a I agree. so-so episode. I than- agree, but I think that I think the things tying in together here tie in better than almost any other episode. Yeah. Okay. Like it's almost effortless. It's not like, uh, you know, it's it, an it airtight doesn't seem like the writers plot. are stretching. It's an airtight plot. Yes. It's just that the, uh, the jokes aren't, uh, you know, uh, huge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thinly sliced at times. Fair enough. All right, Keeve. Uh, let's jump into our mailbag for the slicer. All right. And uh, let's do it. Do you want to start at, with uh, Giant D. Severa, who says, uh, nice callback with season four is the opera with a reminder of Kramer's fear of clowns. Whatever happened to Crazy Joe Davola? Is he going to testify? Uh, does Crazy. I don't think Crazy Joe Davola testifies. No. Yeah. Okay. So we don't know what, ultimately what happens with Crazy Joe Davola. I mean, he's probably dead. Probably. Okay. All right. What about Lindsay? All right. So Lindsay says, I should start by saying that while I was listening to the show from last week, I was on a plane right behind the kid who had been screaming for 90 minutes. And Rob's alternative pregnancy test ad seemed very reasonable. Yeah. Also, the dog draft was hilarious and made the trip much more bearable. People love the dog draft. Yeah. People liked last week's episode. Yeah. Um, I will say th- when I'm on a plane, I don't know how often you fly by yourself, but you do nowadays. Mm-hmm. If there's a baby crying, it actually has no effect on me. Cause I'm so, I'm so happy that it's not my kid. Yeah, yeah I don't even hear it. The, the only you know what I mean? Is, like, I, if I was trying to sleep, it would still have an effect on yeah, me. But I'm like, it wouldn't. Eh. I wouldn't even hear it. I was on a bus uh, recently, and there was like an hour, and the the uh, there was a baby crying, and I noticed it when I got on the bus, and I noticed it like as we were like pulling up to the stop. And I thought like, oh, this baby's probably been crying the whole hour. And I just didn't even pay attention because it, it was such a good feeling that it's not my kid. Yeah, no, that's good. It's a good point. I like that take. Uh, so, yeah, Lindsay wants to know, do you guys have any kitchen gadgets that you probably shouldn't have bought, excluding Rob's Yonana machine that you convinced her to buy? Mm-hmm. She is an ice cream maker that hasn't been touched in four years because her crappy freezer can't get cold enough to make it work. My wife, I would have said the ice cream maker, but my wife busted it out tonight. And my kids were still making ice cream at like nine o'clock mm-hmm. at night. Is that why they were um, still up till midnight? No, no, no. That kid woke up. The, 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 the little guy woke up. Uh, I'm not sure why. Yeah. But the we had to cut that out. But the um the uh I'm trying to think like the, uh, there's like a George Foreman that we probably haven't yeah. used in like 11 years. That should go in the garbage. My wife's not good at throwing stuff out. Right. So um yeah, my wife hates the George Foreman grill. Also, I think it's uh it's fine to cook stuff. Um. You know, we have a panini maker, which um, yeah. the the thing with a lot of these things, it's just like it's, they're hard to clean. Uh, you need yeah. some of that very annoying cleaner. Uh, yeah, sandwich maker. My wife will like put I do the dishes. My wife will put that in the sink and it's like, oh, that's that's like a brutal. Uh, that's a brutal cleaning. Yeah. The uh, and uh, Lindsay also wants to know, do you have a favorite sandwich? Keith, you have a favorite sandwich? Uh, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan. Uh, you know, I, I'd say uh, just corned beef on almost any bread. I'm I'm happy with. I'm a pretty big corned beef guy. If we're talking deli, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, what's your go-to deli meat? A deli meat. Uh, I mean, I mostly, uh, you know, a roast beef is uh, fantastic. Uh, big mm-hmm. uh, turkey guy, turkey club. Um, you know, it, it, you know, no uh, one specific sandwich. Okay. All right. Um, Mike C., what does he want from us? Mike C., uh, Rob, you have experience dating and marrying a lifesaver. Do you feel belittled by Nicole's work stories, or is she much too modest for that? Um, no, I'm happy when Nicole has a good uh, like a good day at work. Like, hey, I saved uh, a life. Uh, she's not like rubbing it in my face. Like, 
I saved a life today. What right, but does it does it make you feel boy? like yeah, does it make like she's dealing in the medical field and you know, you're talking about TV shows. Does that make you that doesn't make you any like self-conscious at all? No, because one, uh, I believe in the therapeutic power of the work that mm. we do, Keeve. Sure, there's a lot oh, of totally. People, you are literally saving lives. Uh, well, uh, let's not get carried away. But there's a lot okay. of people that have boring commutes. Yes, oh, totally. Boring commutes. Yeah. Uh, people are alone. You know, it's, it's, you're another like boring, voice in their ear. Yeah, boring jobs. They got to walk the dog or do the dishes. Boring spouses. Right. Yeah. If we're making those those really crappy parts of the day, 10% better, Keeve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that not medicine? That is medicine. It literally, if you're listening to this podcast right now, let's say you have the flu, don't bother taking your meds. You're fine. <laughs> Just keep listening to the podcast. Uh, you will be safe. You'll be fine. Right. Right. You'll be cured. Uh, Throw your Z-Pack in the garbage. Just listen to some more podcasts. Mike also says, on the topic of Sean Falconer bringing a dog home, not to speak for all zookeepers, but I personally prefer to keep work separate from Wait, does that mean he's a zookeeper? I don't understand this. Um, He's saying not to speak for all zookeepers. So he is also a zookeeper? Yeah. That's wild. Um, We got two zookeepers in the podcast universe here. Yes. uh, I personally prefer to keep work separate from home. and I'm not really a pet person. Uh, when you're scooping up poop all day, sometimes it's nice not to have to deal with that when you come home. That's a pretty wild take, right? Mm, what's that? that you like, do- if you love animals enough to work at the zoo, I feel like you should at least have a dog. No, there was a uh, Friends episode where Rachel was dating a gynecologist, and he compared it to, like, uh, you know when you're at work, uh, you know, pouring coffee all day? Uh, do, mm-hmm. Like, do you come home and want coffee? Yeah. yeah. So what, the guy didn't want to sleep with yeah, her? I don't understand. I think that was kind of it. That's funny. They- I mean, you listen to podcasts when you're not podcasting sometimes. Yes, but um, I rarely listen to podcasts that are about what I podcast about. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I still think you should have a dog. Mike C., if I was the head zookeeper, I would be a little worried about you that you don't have a pet at home. Okay. Uh, Don't put maybe some fish or something. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't say, Mike, next time you're going to like you're moving up. Let's say right now you work at the Cincinnati Zoo. And, uh, you know, there's some mess ups there. So you want to move to a bigger zoo. You want to go to the Bronx Zoo on your on your resume. Don't like if they ask you, do you have a pet? Lie and say you have a pet. OK, because I feel like you're not getting hired if you don't have a pet. All right. Um, Keith, uh, what about uh, Sean Falconer? All right. So Sean's been emailing Kenny Kramer. He wants to he wants us to go on the Kenny Kramer Seinfeld tour, perhaps this fall. I mean, I don't think they have in Idaho, but if we're in New York. Uh, so he finally heard back from Kenny. It takes at least two follow ups to get him to respond with one liner. And uh, the full schedule will come out in July. So if you're sitting there at home wondering what the deal with the Kenny Kramer tour is, uh, TBD. OK, I mean, do you want to do it? Like uh, if you had your do other. Brothers- well, here's my question. Do other people want to do it? Like if we're going to do a live finale show this fall, let's say on a Tuesday night. OK, right. Okay. Do we also need to do the Kenny Kramer tour on a Sunday? Um, no, I kind of feel like that that, that is the sh- that like um, like I kind of thought in, in my pitch for the Kenny Kramer tour was Kenny Kramer mm-hmm. tour, and then we immediately go somewhere else, and then the podcast is like post game of the Kenny Kramer tour. I, it's my problem is that the tour is like four hours. I feel we'll like it's going to be bad. Yeah. yeah. Now it's just why people are going to be like jumping off the bus in the middle <laughs> and then they're not going to no one's going to come. even like the, the lunatics there are not going to come to our podcast. Okay. So what are we going to podcast? About? Are we podcasting about the finale in, on the live show? I don't know. Let's I don't know. Who knows what's going on? Yeah. OK. I mean, is it just, uh, you know, people have, you know, bring you different sandwiches and you're going to r- rank them? I mean, first of all, that sounds great. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll think about it. We'll, we'll, we'll it figure out. it out. We'll figure it out. Okay. Maybe, all right. All right. Craig from this? Vancouver. This? What? If we yes. did a live show, could we get Kenny Kramer yes. to appear? We'd have to pay him. I don't think he, you know, he's, he's like Gary Templeton. You got to pay him to, for him to show well, up. What do you have to pay him? I mean, I don't know. I, the well, Falconer, ask him what he, what he charged for an appearance. Fee? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, is that who you'd want? Why do we want Kenny Kramer? Well, who else honestly? would come? I mean, like the Soup Nazi will show for free. He's more interesting than Kenny Kramer. He was on the show. in New York? Oh, he's in New York. Banya's in New York. Banyo's show up like at anything. Banyo shows up when they open up a supermarket. Okay. All right. Um, Craig from Vancouver says, uh, let's get into the part of the picture that I'm sure Chester, Johnny, and everyone else will be talking about. Kramer said the picture was taken in the summer of 1989. In the picture, George had hair. The first episode of Seinfeld aired July 5th, 1989. George clearly does not have hair. I know they can make an argument that the Seinfeld premiere was not set in 1989, but I refuse to accept that. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, what if he lost his hair like in June, <laughs> like the pictures in June and we see Seinfeld in July right. and, and he, George has lost his hair in that interim month. Now, I'm trying to find a picture of 1989 Jason Alexander. I don't think that the, the line ever was, oh, you lost your hair, but they say you've lost a lot of hair. Uh, right. Has there been a, a appreciable difference uh in George Costanza's hairline from 89 to 97. Uh, I think I think his hair looking at what I think is a picture from the pilot uh, is there is a big bald spot, but it's not. Whereas now it's like two sides and there's nothing in the whole center of his hair. Yeah. Back then he had like there was just a bald spot. You know, it was a big bald spot, but it was just a bald spot circularly he had a ha- he had hair everywhere yeah i mean if you take a look at a picture of him from the uh from the pilot uh yeah he's definitely i mean this might be somewhere else in se- in season one Actually, I, the pilot yeah. might have been uh um was it no the pilot was 89 and then they did that uh in uh, 1990 i guess they came back yeah it, no he he's got a lot of hair he and he may have played hair. around with plugs also because his hairline looks very different in some of these pictures yeah so uh, i buy it i'm out i'm uh in on it Sorry. Okay. That's fair. And on the hairline line. Okay. Uh, then let's take another question. And uh, this time let's go to Patton, Ohio says, uh, why didn't George just leave the picture alone? It turns out at the end of the episode, Kruger probably wouldn't even made the connection unless George brought it up, which he did. Eventually Kruger might've made the connection between George and the boombox incident, but I don't think it would have been a big deal. You know, this is, this is Monday morning quarterbacking from Pat because while Kruger doesn't care, there's no reason to think that Kruger wouldn't fire him immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way you could have guessed that, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think if you keep seeing George, eventually he knows the picture well. And once he gets to know George better, he may one day see the picture, realize it's George, and that's it for George. So I I, I don't think the answer is leave the picture alone. The answer is to steal the picture and never to bring it yeah, back. Yeah, I agree. Just throw the picture in the garbage. The whole thing. Yeah, for sure. I, I think so. Um, all right. What does Amir have to say? All right. He wants to know, why didn't Elaine just get the billing super to help with the situation? He likely would have gone in there to deal with the alarm clock. Definitely would have saved the dying cat. And calling a locksmith to get into a locked in apartment building seems ridiculous. Um, yeah, I hear. I mean, listen, that's sort of like, OK, there's no episode. Like, Yeah, of course, you could call a super, but it's fair. In real life, yes, you'd call the super. It's not her problem. They, you could probably call animal control and say there's a dying animal and they'd probably yeah. call somebody, right? But the super would be the first call you'd make. Yeah. Okay. My my super in the building I lived in the longest in um in uh Manhattan was uh his name was Jesus and he called himself Super Jesus on like the on like papers he would write. It was great. Mm-hmm. Super Jesus. Super Jesus. Um 
Super Jesus. He was he was he was great. When 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 I dropped four paychecks down a uh, elevator shaft, he stopped the elevator and risked his life to get them for oh me. Oh my god! And I gave him I gave him zero dollars for that. Um, I, when I moved out, I gave him a lot of money. Um, since this whole scheme deposit? relied on no oh. no he the super he's not the landlord. Okay. Uh, since the whole scheme relied on pretending that Doctor Van Nostrom was a real dermatologist, wouldn't a doctor telling George about the health status of Kru- of Kruger and ask him to relay that sense of information? Raise a ton of red flags. Yeah, um, that's a good point. I don't know what the uh, HIPAA privacy, uh, you know, uh, issues are. Yeah, in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if HIPAA was a thing then. Yeah. And then uh, the whole Jerry revenge date subplot seems incredibly out of character. Amir says the idea is a perfect George storyline, and in fact, they say that in the episode, right? They say this is a George. So Amir wants to know why they just save it for George. He has a hard time j- believing Jerry would go through the revenge date just to prove his point. That's sort of what you were saying, yeah, right? I thought it was kind of a meta thing of like, I feel like this is more of a you thing uh, that it might've been written as a George storyline, but they have so many. George yeah, that was things. very meta. Yeah. I, I think someone in one of the writers said that, and that gets thrown in, right? That's clearly what happened. Yeah. Hey, isn't this a George, not a Jerry, which we've said a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's meta, but um, again, she was really hateful in that monk scene. So it's not like Jerry's some perfect person. Right. Um, so here we go. Alexander Chester. You call him the minivan driver. Why? He has a minivan now? Yeah, he spent his whole week trying to buy a hybrid minivan. Hybrid minivan. Okay, did he get one? He's moving out of Manhattan and he's becoming a sellout. Okay. Boy, uh, he's going all in. Moving out of Manhattan. He, and- first time ever, 32 fans missed the podcast last oh week. Oh, my God. He's busy buying hybrid minivans and we're not podcasting. Did he get, get a good one? I he couldn't find the one he wanted. It was probably like they only made eight of them in the world or something. I don't know. Okay. Um. Chester wants to know the backstory of the Kramer Gerald Ford photo. Uh, when, why, where was it taken? And why was Kramer so desperate to airbrush Ford out? What did Gerald Ford do to Kramer between the day the photo was taken and the day thereafter that Kramer felt the need to airbrush him out? I don't know, Chester. Um, I would guess uh, Kramer probably didn't like that uh, Nixon got pardoned. You think that's what it was? Yeah, I think so. I think Kramer is a stickler. We've seen him many times uh, say that, you know, hey, I can't do that. That's a, against the rules. You know, uh, that way I would be uh, I couldn't live with myself if I did that. I think he's probably unhappy with Ford about that. All right. Fair enough. OK. I mean, Kramer's Craig Kramer is pretty far left, right? That's what we think. Uh, Yeah, I think that sounds about right. He's almost like to the point of like he's an anarchist. That's fair. So he's so far left. He almost swings back around to being right, Republican. Right. The horseshoe theory. Right. Okay. Um, why didn't Kramer wear a glove when sticking the metal in the outlet? Yeah, I don't know. He's Kramer. He Chester. lives in the wild side. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chester also wants to know, is Sarah the most awful person on the show? As someone who's married to a doctor and dated to others. I, oh, Ch- Chester, get, get, get That's, out of here. Oh, by the way, I, the most awful person on this show, there's no competition <laughs> after, after that line. Right. And dated to others. <laughs> he says, I can attest, no doctor talks like that. Also, and also, he didn't date two doctors because he didn't. His wife wasn't a doctor until long after he married her. So unless he's cheating on her with doctors, like he dated women who became doctors years later. Uh, okay, I'll give that to Chester. I think that's a little ticky tack. But he says, I can attest no doctor talks like that. His girlfriend who was 16, who cares what she talks like? What does oh. that mean? She wasn't a doctor. Oh, OK. I you know what I mean? Like, I, I thought you were saying like, oh, no, he was dating. Was she in med school? Re- I don't know. I assume by the time he was in. No, 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 no. So no, he no. dated a girl like in high school. I mean, he's been with this lady for a long time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Chester, give me the timeline here. This is the stupidest thing I've ever <laughs> dated two others. 
I can attest no doctor talks like that. Also, it's impossible to believe Jerry could have gone an entire date without knowing she's a dermatologist. Doctors, he knew she was a dermatologist. Well, doctors, especially those as arrogant and conceited as Sarah. Uh, boy, um, I think that uh, Chester might be a little yeah. bit of an anti-dermite. Or he just hates all female doctors. Mm, yeah. I think he refers to them as medical clowns. I'm not sure what. I don't know. Like. So he says that uh, somebody as conceited as her, they don't call themselves doctors. They call themselves by their specialties. Right. Sarah would definitely introduce herself as a dermatologist, not a doctor. P.S. I asked Jen if you see a dermatologist or an oncologist for skin cancer. She said, it depends, followed by a bunch of words I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. All right. Uh, then Chester says, I know we're not in the solving the characters predicaments game since it ruins the show. But wouldn't Elaine's problems have been solved by going to the super? Yes. All right. Uh, so I should. You know what? I chest. I usually cut out some of Chester's, but okay. I, I left that one. Chester, you got to coordinate with Amir what you're sending in. Come on. Yes. <laughs> um, and finally, he asks, uh, what's going on in the last scene? Why hasn't a locksmith come? George says, uh, tough for me to get out at this hour. But this is several days since Elaine first called the locksmith. And we know from Kramer's accidental entry into the potato man's apartment how easy it is to break down the doors in the building. So why not just do that? So he's advocating breaking and entering the apartment? Like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, they should well, just break the door down. At the, like, obviously, at a certain point, you just break the door down, right? I guess so. I mean, you don't know when the locksmith is coming. But, I mean, if she is able to, you know, get lunch meat through the door and she has groceries and has water, then uh, you might just wait it out for the locksmith. I mean, where does she have to go? Right. But how many days has it been? That's weird. I'm not sure. I don't think it's been that many. Okay. And Chester seems to think this has been many days. Uh, I mean, Jerry has been to a dermatologist uh, since then. I'm still reeling over his uh, dated two others <laughs> comment. Yeah, I <laughs> uh, tacked on there. All right, Keeve, uh, what's the hashtag this week? Uh, Chester's dated three doctors. Chester's um, dated three doctors. What's our hashtag? What do you got? Uh, anything about uh, going to Belarus for the finale? Yeah, Belarus potatoes. Belarus potatoes or something like Belarus. that. B-E-L-A-R-U-S. Okay. Oh, that's easy. Okay. Yeah. Um, there you go, Keeve. Uh, what's coming up now, next week? Next week, we got the betrayal. Fun episode. Okay. All right. Uh, that should be a lot of fun to podcast. Yes. Should be a good one. Should be a good one. Okay. Uh, so looking forward to that. And then, of course, uh, thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre. Uh, crossing another one off on the countdown. Yeah. 15 more after this, Scott. That's oh it. Oh, my God. Yeah, Scott, oh are you going to come if we do a live show in... Belarus. In New York. Are you, are you going to come or in Belarus? Are you going to come, Scott? Get your passport ready. Let, just let in us case know it. which is better for you, Scott, or Idaho. Yeah, what do you think? What's a, what's a Idaho cheaper might flight? might be better for Scott. Saskatchewan to New York or Saskatchewan? You think they have a direct flight to Minsk from Saskatchewan? No, but I feel like that uh, I, I feel like that uh, maybe you could drive to Idaho. Oh, yeah, he probably could straight. Yeah, for, that's the good thing about Canada. You could just like, everything is so close to yeah. the north, right? You, you could, know, it's only, yeah, you could uh, probably uh, drive to Idaho. Yeah, it's like a 17-hour like drive uh, from uh, from Saskatchewan to Idaho. But also, like, it's really cold where he lives. So if we go to, like, Minsk, he doesn't need a new wardrobe like we would need. Yeah. Like winter coats and all that stuff. Okay. Um, Thermal underwear. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, thanks to Mike Moore, who writes the recap. Uh, Keeve, uh, that hmm. once uh, Chester gets his uh, hybrid minivan uh, yeah. squared away, then you'll return to podcasting on 32 Yeah, I fans. think this week we'll have something up. We haven't recorded it yet, but hopefully we'll have something up by the weekend. Okay. All right. Uh, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Anything else, Keeve? Nope. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. 